0: Welcome to Diesel Performance Podcast. <laughs> Yo, hear that plural? I like Podcasts. that. Podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, boy. That yeah, Schomburg slang, boy. Slang. <laughs> wow. Bro.
1: This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance <laughs> Podcast, in case you couldn't tell. Uh, that was our L5P uh, emissions-equipped, street-tuned sled pole driver, Joe Hager, uh, kicking us off at the top of the show. Chris, that's your boy.
0: I do not take credibility for
1: him. <laughs> 100%. Chris Emke's best friend. Uh, all right, man. Today, we got a really exciting show. This is one I put off a week so that we could get your lazy ass back in the office.
0: I was I was dying from pneumonia. Oh, my
1: God. You tell such stories.
0: I, I haven't been to the doctor in 11 years. Listen, I went to the doctor twice in one week.
1: Before we get into your drama, can I just say uh, we got the, the 2007 Cummins we've been sled pulling all year, kicking ass. <laughs> yep. Despite uh, our driver's inexperience, the truck performed really, really yeah, well. I mean,
0: there, we had two drivers this year.
1: Yeah, I'm one, just of saying, them, one of them.
0: One fifty percent of the drivers fucking
1: killed held it. their own. Right. The I other fifty percent. That was me. The other fifty percent <laughs> named Tim Mahoney. Um, he broke it. So yeah,
0: well, I mean, he broke it. He snuffed the charger. I mean, right. he he's never sled I mean, we neither of us sled pulled, but he's got to have your foot than me. He just you know what? Yeah. You don't have to pay to fix it. He don't give a shit.
1: There's so much honesty in that sentence. Um, Anyways, as a result of the truck being broken, I can say that, uh, we decided, well, let's put it together with some more parts. Now, this is something that, honestly, uh, other people here in the office were much more passionate about than I was. I thought the truck did exactly what its purpose was at 800 horsepower, drop-in Stealth 67 turbo, all stock-appearing. Chris, you know, even I I got to say, you know, I love a twin kit. Come yeah, on, man. I mean,
0: you know, let's just let's just be realistic. A lot of the times when guys call in over to calibrated power Duramax tuner, you know, they have an idea of an end goal. OK, um, they they like the idea of a drop in turbocharger. You know, we've grown the, the turbo department here greatly over the years. Sure. Uh, with quality parts, R&D and, you know, just making sure that, you know, uh, the product meets up to its expectation. Right. But you always want more. So, uh, what we decided to do, so the, the truck ended up having an uh, input shaft issue, okay? So, uh, nothing to do with the engine or anything like that. So, we went with a fat shaft, had the converter sent out, um, did a couple things there, and we decided, hey, why not, why not throw more air and see what the 67 can do in a compound setup?
1: That's right. The transmission broke, so like every other diesel owner on Earth, we decided let's also work on the turbos. Exactly. Um, so so what do we do? What it, are we doing that? Yeah, so doing an S400 kit over it. S400 kit, of course, twin turbo kits. Who do we go to for that? Well, it's a step we, further than that. We go to WC Fab.
0: So we, we call Jason. We go, Jason, we have this idea. This is what we want to do. Are you in or out? After a little convincing, he's in, okay? Uh, this isn't your conventional stock S475, S480 kit. This is a 67 over an S488 So it's not your conventional piping kit that we would offer a customer or Jason would offer a customer, Jason's kit that we sell. Um, It's a little different because the 488 has a different discharge uh, off of the compressor housing, the downpipe, the fitment's a little different. It's a little bit bigger of a package. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like in the engine bay. Um, But the guys in the shop are actually putting the turbo kit on the truck now and uh, we'll get some tuning underway. So we're not doing anything fuel injector-wise. We're just going to run that, see what we can get out of it, and see how efficient and reliable and, and clean power, you know, yeah. we can make out of, you know, as, as aggressive as, oh, yeah, what what turbos do you have? Oh, I have a 67 over an 88 millimeter. Those are some bad fucking turbochargers. <laughs> but and realistically, it's, it's packaged in a way that, I mean, it's – if it I would have really told
1: somebody it was an S four seventy five overstock, I doubt and I doubt the average person exact, could no, spot it. No, no, and it.
0: that that's exactly right. it. You know, if I said I had a stocker S four hundred kit for towing and I popped the hood, I would believe that person. Sure, but this is a setup that's going to do a thousand all day long with the fuel that we have. You know, maxed out. And uh, we'll revisit next year and see what happens. But we're really excited to see how the package comes together.
1: Absolutely. And, hey, you know, for our fuel systems in this truck and all of our trucks over at Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power, the employees, the customers, the shop, everybody, we use XRG Performance. Uh, That's because we get that same amazing performance and consistent quality every single time. Uh, One of the other things I want to talk about before we dive into the big topic of today, Chris, is Black Friday. Dude, you're uh, getting early with this. Can you believe it's it's like a month and a half away?
0: Yeah, I know, but you usually don't bring up we don't bring up anything Black usually, Friday for like three more weeks. Yeah, I
1: usually probably like it's six weeks away. So usually like I wait until about five weeks yeah. to start talking about it. Uh we we haven't made official deals yet. What we're saying is, right now, if you're looking for deals, follow along on the Facebook pages yep. uh, for Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power. We're going to be posting them probably in the next two weeks here. So when I'm about four weeks away from Black Friday, we're going to announce what those sales are going to be. Uh, we... we in the past, have just done some standard discounting, kind of help people out. We know there's a lot of shoppers out there We want to you know, be a part of the, the experience. Uh, this year, I think we're going to really go for some doorbusters on some of the cool stuff. I'm excited
0: to see what happens. I mean, I don't even know what we're getting ourselves into, so I'm excited to see how creative you get with that. So, guys, be on the lookout and follow our Facebook and our Instagram pages.
1: Yeah. Hey, speaking of pages, Chris, uh, we made an announcement last week while we had our guest host in here, Justin Tyson, producer of the show, um, and we said we need to rename the Facebook group. Uh, So I put up a poll the other night. We've had overwhelming response. If you haven't checked it out, jump on Diesel Performance Podcast Q&A. That's our Facebook group for the show. Willing to answer any questions we can about diesel. If Chris or I don't know, uh, we'll try to tag uh, one of the the knowledge leaders in the group uh, so that they can get you some answers. Right now the poll uh, leading response is Paul Wilson loves the six-liter
0: i think he loves other things <laughs> kind but that's of it's just me
1: kind of a, a a rough one for me to sign off on but hey listen i i made it with half a bottle of jaeger and we'll we'll pick the winner with half a bottle of jaeger out uh so we'll see what happens so you're an alcoholic no come on chris i was being social oh um so for today <laughs> let's dive in uh we got the history of the 5.9 liter cummins Right off the top, people are going to ask why why we didn't just do history of the Cummins.
0: There's too many RPOs and too many differences, and I think the uh, five nine is a is a show worthy all on its own, and we'll go into the six seven some other time.
1: One hundred percent agree. Yeah, uh, just one wholeheartedly. As I dove in to start doing the research on this, like like I know Cummins. You know, I've I've been around Cummins yeah. f- for seven years, ten years, something like that. Like I'm pretty familiar with them. I, I've I've worked on a lot of Cummins trucks. Uh, but man, I just I don't deal with any of the older shit. Yeah. Like if it's pre Common Rail, I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and even so when we got so into the VP cultured. stuff that we tuned, yeah. I really wasn't heavily involved in that market. You know, I didn't I didn't do a lot there.
0: So you're not cultured, you're saying?
1: Right. That's anytime I see a big C and and wintergreen uh, chewing gum, I always know I found culture.
0: Yeah. No, I, that that is that is a side of the diesel industry that you are not, you know, very familiar with.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm learning because over the years, I know that that's also a big part of the group of people that I've met that I think are. Probably some of the most fun to be yeah, around. Man. You know what?
0: I think a lot of times when you talk to guys, uh, the 12 valve Cummins, the 7.3 Power Stroke, these are entry level platforms that, you know, guys that are seasoned in this industry now, that's where they started. Yeah. You know, and I mean, even newer guys, younger kids now that, you know, maybe I, I wasn't fortunate enough to be in a family where, you know, you go get a, a newer truck purchased for you. You know, when I, when I turned 18, my, my first truck was a 12 valve that I bought, you know, for a deal off of Craigslist. And then, you know, you could afford to modify slowly over time, and that grew into, you know, uh, what I do now. So, right. you know, it's uh, it's an affordable way to kind of get into the industry and, and learn the ins and outs. So.
1: I mean, I've, I've always said I understood the power potential out of some of these older trucks, and, and if you're going to do, like, a, a real raw budget build, like we've talked to guys yeah, like Tyler I, Kip, who, like, you're gonna beat, you know, have really pitched it, right. and, and it's, it's hard to beat. And I guess I've always understood that. Um, I didn't understand the massive amount of progression that this staple has gone through, because I do think of Cummins as a staple, and the 5.9 it liter is. specifically. This led the industry in so many ways for so long. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you look, you know, not not to dive into too deep here, but if you pick up a diesel power magazine back in you know 2008 to 2012, any of the big hitters, it was mechanical injection. Yeah. And I would say 2011, 2012. You know, 2010, 2012. That's when you know the common rail stuff started to kind of you know come into its own. Well, common rail injection on some platforms has been out for eight, ten years already. Sure. You know, but uh, and even to this day, there are still improvements that are being made in the mechanical injection arena. Um, you know, all some of the top sled pull trucks in in the country still run you know a mechanical injection setup. Yes, it's dated, okay, but it works.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're, we're, we're going to get into okay, that. We'll so we're going to we're talk all about it. Um, yeah, so this is this is a truck that's run from 160 to 325 horsepower over the years. 18 years, the 5.9 liter was in production, approximately. I know there's some variation on that. Um, it's been put in Ram pickups, commercial vehicles, tractors, industrial equipment, equipment it's just they they've used this everywhere. They
0: just had a thing Cummins not long ago that they produced their millionth motor.
1: Yeah. I, I I don't doubt it because I actually have that spec somewhere as we get into to some of the year breakdowns yeah. here. Um, you know, they've seen they have seen changes all the way through the truck. I mean, fuel system, turbo, trans, fucking intercooling, electric electronic control, uh these are things that generally we see not just a small RPO change, but, like, total redesigns. And this but is something but that... they
0: still stayed 5.9 liter.
1: They, they've stayed 5.9. They've stayed i6. they They've There's so many things that they've yep. done what they could to keep the same. Yep. Uh, and that's something that I think is a huge shout-out. So, Chris, I'll let you kick it off. These things launched in 89, the first year, I think, or first batch ran from 89 to 93. What do you know?
0: Uh, you know, start started off at 160 horsepower. Um, what's really unique about these is, you know, the first-gen Dodge... Um, very simple. So in 89 to 91, early 91, they offered a non intercooled, uh, so, you know, turbocharger, then there's this elbow that went across the motor right into the intake plenum. Um, 160 horsepower, uh, three speed automatic, or you can get a get reg five speed manual trans. Those are your two options. Um, was a proud owner of one of those a while back. Oh yeah, and uh, you know you get you get 55 mile an hour, 60 mile an hour out on the freeway, and wind out 2,800 RPM. <laughs> and uh, you know then you're doing a governor spring and a fuel pin in the injection pump. So what's really unique is it had a rotary style mechanical injection pump, very very simple, very extremely fuel efficient, reliable. They don't make any power. Right. right? They just they they really don't. Um, What's also unique is, even though it was a non-intercooled uh, motor, the, uh, the, the trucks would actually baseline at around 180 horsepower, maybe even had tad more, tad less, so they were rated for a certain horsepower, but they made more. Um, the injectors in the '90, 89, 90, and early 91, they were actually bigger than the uh, Big Brother, which was the 91.5, 92, 93, where you actually get a little smaller of an injector, a little bit bigger of a turbocharger, Um, You get an intercooler, and then you actually get a three-speed with overdrive called an A518, which was a non-lockup overdrive-style transmission. Um, Very simple, very basic. The engine itself had gasket, you know, head block injection... connecting rods, things like that, all that stayed the same. Things to look out for, you know, the killer dowel pin, which was very common with all the 12 Elves, which we'll get into with the with the second-gen style as well. Um, but it was a simple truck. You know, they are very dated. They're very nostalgic. I think they hold a lot of, you know, uh, value, or there's a respect for them in the, in the industry as a whole. You go to a show and you see one of these trucks, you know, they're definitely pretty cool to look at. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were... These these were competitive too at the time. I mean, you got to remember, like we look back now in 2019 and say, "Oh, it only had 160, maybe right. maybe ooh, it made 180," which is, I think, the last time a manufacturer rounded that way on their their horsepower right. ratings, right? But um, uh, at the time, that was a lot. That yeah, that was I mean, that was competing the, against a a non turbocharged six Yeah, I mean, you got to think you about know? you know in '89 when these rolled
0: out, you were talking about. Non-turbocharged or turbocharged 6.2, you're talking about IDI 6.9s and IDI 7.3s. Turbocharged power strokes didn't come out until 94. Um, You know, and we're talking, you know, 160 horsepower. I believe it's 360 feet-pound of torque, something along those lines. Um, You know, so, I mean, they were – you get in one of those trucks – You get behind the wheel, the truck doesn't get out of its own way, and it's got enough torque to pull down a fucking house. Yeah. Simple as that. And with a couple of minor modifications, you can pick up, you know, 80, 100 horsepower with with a screwdriver, essentially. It'll run a little warm. You know, maybe some other upgrades need to happen there, but... I mean, shit. I remember my first one, man. I bought that truck with like 350,000 miles. Yeah. And I got rid of it with 450,000 miles. And I had it a couple <laughs> years, drove the piss out of it. And that thing, never never an issue. Maybe leaked a little out of the rear main, typical you know, sure. Cummins fashion. Sure, sure, If If it, the Cummins doesn't leak anything, man, it's not broken in yet. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but they're... And parts are very, very, very inexpensive for them, which I think in the aftermarket you'll learn as a lot of guys get into these trucks, you know... You, Injectors are inexpensive, turbochargers, things like that. You can you can you know upgrade them relatively you know inexpensively. Yeah. So really really cool. I'm thinking about it now, I kind of I kind of miss mine.
1: Well, know. well, well, hold off before you jump into one of those piles of crap. Because <laughs> uh, in ninety four they they totally revolutionized diesel performance. Yeah, and and it wasn't just OEM diesel performance. They released technology that we still use today in the top tiers of diesel competition and i'm talking of course about the the famed the 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 absolute pinnacle of uh high pressure pumps and that's the p7100 the p pump dun 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 um i
0: remember so back in the day going through one of these uh diesel world magazines there was a beautiful first gen that was just redone right and i was just getting into this I remember reading the magazine, and they were like, oh, P-Pump conversion, you know, to get more power. I'm like, oh, I'm going to P-Pump mine. I didn't even know what the fuck a P-Pump was. <laughs> you know? And, it's uh, funny
1: you say that, Chris. A P-Pump w- was was revolutionary for so many reasons. One, <clears throat> I don't want to say it's a mini engine because it doesn't have internal combustion, but outside of that, it's a mini rotating assembly. It,
0: it has a cam. It has it, pistons for the plungers. That's so
1: right. So so each plunger fuels one injector at a time. That. Yep that's completely different than what anybody else had ever done in fuel injection i yep. mean this is when i say this is revolutionary i mean it really was revolution it really was something nobody else had done yep. and it was almost an overcompensation from that rotary ve pump Absolutely. you had referenced in that early completely one night and day um where it had one plunger running six injectors this this is just the best definition of overkill i've ever seen from a, an engineering team uh and, and it is it, it's what I thought was really, really interesting is that f- this 52-pound rotary um, or rotation assembly unit is actually emissions-driven. Yeah, I mean, did you did you know this?
0: There's a vacuum that goes into the system, and there's actually the whole
1: the whole reason they designed it. The whole reason it was ever invented wasn't necessarily the problem with more power. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even increasing horsepower and torque at all. It was about efficiency. It, it was about efficiency. It's about running higher pressure, uh, fuel pressure, to meet emission standards that were coming out in 94. So when we talk about emissions, uh, I, I just want to remind everybody that this has been something this industry has dealt with since its inception.
0: Well, I think the thing, too, that a lot of guys don't really you know think about or, or even understand, there are actually 12 valves that were produced with EGRs.
1: Yeah, absolutely so correct. That, that's a thing. Absolutely correct. Um, so, so I just, I thought that was like a really interesting thing to kind of know about that. Uh, these models in 94, 98, they, they did have a lot of the same components as Chris had mentioned earlier, um, from 94 to 90, or I'm sorry. Okay. Um, just a lot of the actual mechanical internals were, were identical. Those, those like things did not change.
0: through the 12-volt yeah. motor it's, itself.
1: Exactly. Uh, however, they did see new injectors. They went up about 200 PSI. They went from 20, 245 bar to 260 bar.
0: That's the pop-off of the injection pump itself.
1: Absolutely correct. Uh, got a revised camshaft. Got revised pistons, um, also due to emission standards. Uh, so those got or I'm sorry, still all cast aluminum, revised fuel bowl uh, to increase swirl or atomization. Uh, so I think fuel bowl and spray pattern are something we talk about a lot now in common rail injection. I didn't realize this was even something they were addressing in 12 valves when I dove into this. Uh, and they also did this thing where they, they narrowed the, the ring land on the top of the ring uh, for emission standards. Didn't know that. Uh, Waste gated turbo. I didn't realize. I thought I thought 12 valves just ran HX35s. Okay. Again, call me ignorant. Um, You're ignorant. Th- thanks, Chris. <laughs> um, they, they, these initially in '94 they came out with the WH1C, the same turbo as, as the previous models, but they were but waist-gated. a tighter 12 centimeter housing and waste-gated. Absolutely. So they went from an 18 centimeter housing Nine to a to a 12-centimeter housing. That's a huge jump.
0: Well, I think the thing, too, when you talk about the first-gen, you know, they ran very loose housings, but they were non-gated. Right. And the idea was to... It wouldn't peak out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So now, technology, right? Go figure technology and and emission standards and things like that. Here it is. Tightening the housing, putting a wastegate into the system to alleviate back pressure so you don't overspeed the turbocharger.
1: Turbo technology is not driven by horsepower demand. It's driven by emission standards. So when we get better turbos in the market, it's because of emission standards. Uh, I, I just Again, thought that was like something I didn't know. Uh, in '95, they finally swapped over to the whole set. HX35. It's a waist-gated 12 centimeter uh, housing. Uh, I have a bunch more details on it, but nobody will care. So this is an extremely reliable charger. Uh, even at double the factory set PSI, uh, which is 20, so even when you take it up to 40, it's considered one of the most reliable chargers ever put on a diesel truck. Uh, so these things kick ass, man. I mean, they got a larger intercooler, a new body style in 94. Um, I, I also didn't realize this. Now, the first five years, the, the Cummins was out. It was number one in torque okay. uh, for for the big three. But the ratings changed not only dramatically throughout the few years that this ninety-four to ninety-eight was produced, it went from one hundred and sixty all the way up to two hundred and fifteen. Uh, but they <laughs> they split hairs at this point in, the, in in our world where it's even between the manual and the automatic. It's right. like it's rated at one hundred and sixty for an auto, one seventy-five for an for a manual. I just want to know, knowing what a twelve valve is and how how power and control. It's not like this is an electronic calibration. So does that mean the guy at the factory? like just does half a less turn on the set screw? Well,
0: I think, you know, there's a, a lot to be said about the internal workings of the pump itself. When we were talking about the pumps, we were talking about the cams and things like that. Those all have something to do with it.
1: Um, now, I didn't find anything saying that if you have a manual transmission 12 valve and 95, your, your cam or your P7100 was any different than if you had an auto. I just couldn't find where they the, set the difference.
0: The power output is based off of the pump. So when you talk a 94, 95 the pump references, oh, you have the one sixty pump. Okay? Or you have the one seventy five pump, the one eighty pump, the two fifteen pump. Okay. So there there's all of these things that come into play. In the aftermarket, the most desired is like the one eighty pump. So like when Why you Why not the two fifteen? Uh I believe it has like a variable timing or variable geometry to the cam or to the to the pump itself okay and they get a little finicky at like the higher rpms or something along those lines don't quote me on that but there is something along i those think lines
1: in the future happening. i would like to loop back and do a history of the p7100 yeah. and take it from when it first came out all the way up to today of what are the high performance trucks that it's on yeah. in 2019 i think that would be a really cool that one would,
0: future episode coming near you
1: done um okay so these these ran some different options with transmissions as well NV forty five hundred, I believe, across the board was offered. Exactly. Okay, uh, and then the forty seven RH in ninety four ninety five, and then the forty seven RE ninety six to ninety eight. That's the new four sp- four speed auto. Yeah, forty seven like RH auto. hated. Uh,
0: I don't say. I wouldn't say it's hated. It's uh, more or less like technology. You know, it's a it's a mechanical lockup forty seven. Okay. Uh, RH where the forty eight R or forty seven RE is a. Uh, is a, is a electronic lockup. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just, again, as time progressed, the, the housings and everything and internals are very similar, all the way from the Torque Flight 727 three-speed and 89 as the A518 four-gear, uh, four no lockup. Then you get into the 47RH, a mechanical lockup, 47RE electronic lockup. The housing, the casing, the internals are all very similar. When you buy rebuild kits, they'll have A518, Slash forty seven RH, gotcha. so there's okay. a lot of a lot of crossover you know, there, and the, the uh, seven um, the, the the torque flight, the original three speed, that would be the same trans that you would find in like an old Hemi back in the day, right? So a lot of a lot of crossover that Rams done over the years. So to the guys that are running a forty seven RE, forty eight RE, forty seven RH, a five eighteen, you're dealing with an old muscle car trans, man. It, it really is a car trans.
1: It yeah, a hundred percent agree. Um, Okay, now now this is something else I thought was maybe not unique. I I think we know of this, especially from the Duramax background. Uh, for me, and I know when we were doing the Ford research, we saw this as well uh, about transition years. So in '97, in preparation for the 24-valve that's coming out in the ISB, um, they started they started shifting some of the like. Basic bolt-on bullshit and also some of the, like, actual bolts and things like that uh, that went on these trucks. So, like, you got 12-millimeter bolts to secure the main caps versus the 14-millimeter bolts they previously used. Um, All late model 12 valves were equipped with the same... Uh, or, I'm sorry, we're equipped with smaller diameter fasteners. So, like, it, it's it's just these little things like this that they started doing in preparation, knowing that two and a half years from now, because y- they have to start at the beginning of 97, so they're like, two and a half years from now, we're going to switch to something else. Start making the transition now. And, and we saw that kind of across the board. There was a bunch of little ancillary bullshit that they did to, to get ready for the 24 valve that was coming out. Um, killer dowel pin, man, the KDP everything I read everywhere that says like if you read 12 valve you better know about the kDP yeah you just so it, it's real
0: it's a, it's a little steel sleeve right that goes yep. into the front cover that goes into the block and those from vibration over time they'll back out and then the front of the the, the front cover right the front timing uh, arena if you will of a motor of a Cummins isn't by a chain it's by gears right and that sleeve would get caught in the gears and no catastrophic gear.
1: catastrophic that's what everybody said and they're like listen we get it's a lot of time we get it's a lot of work uh if you plan on doing anything but competition with the truck get in and do this oh and by the way if you plan on doing competition you're gonna do this Yep. so like it, it's just it, it's one of those things man uh but then in 98 and a half they come out with a set of unique technology that, that nobody else in the diesel world ever adopted.
0: Yeah. So what's really weird about the 98.5 to 02 trucks, and I think back in the day there was a lot of flack for these, um, they go to a different style injection pump. So they go to what's called a VP44 from Bosch, which, by the way, the VE pump, the P7100, the VP44, they're all Bosch injection pumps. All, yep. Okay. So it's a half mechanical, half electronic rotary style pump so it goes back to that single plunger style you know if you were to think about it from a technical from a technical standpoint um, but it has its own computer or brain box so it has like uh, it has a control system on top of the injection pump that controls the pump in, in, as far as timing goes injection pressure things like that I,
1: w- I would comparatively say maybe like Atari level technology
0: yes. Yes, right. so um, some of the misses there, um, so the same platform, second-gen Dodge, you still have the same 47RE transmission, uh, you go from, you know, a 205 horsepower to a 235 horsepower output, depending on if it was standard output or high output, uh, manual versus automatic, you know, those same configurations hold. Um but what they do is, is they go – so in the 12-valve world, you have a lift pump that can supply around like 40 PSI-ish, I believe, of supply pressure. Right. Then they go to this, this electronic rotary-style pump, and then they put a lift pump on there, and that lift pump was generally burning out, causing the pumps to fail. Well, unlike the P7100 pump that's oil-cooled, the VP44 is liquid-cooled, so it's cooled by the fuel that it produces. Okay, that it runs through the system. So what you would find is, is these pumps would prematurely fail due to the pump itself, or the motor, or the computer itself getting hot and failing. Yeah. So uh, technology there, but I feel like this is the first time where now you're getting into an arena of the Duramax world. Okay, um, six liters weren't really a thing; they were still seven three. So I, I feel like the Cummins was superior power wise to a seven three yeah but now the duramaxes are coming out hot rod motherfucking trucks.
1: well you just think about this so 98 and a half to oh one yep. they're they're still leading yeah
0: yeah
1: i, I mean well, in a lot of categories well, let's say 2000 yeah 2000 right 98
0: and a half to 2000 so, so they got a
1: year and a half where they're they're leading with this technology and, and if you think back across the board what everybody else is having problems with ford seven threes don't have this problem Um, any of the IDI stuff doesn't really have this problem, but the, the GM six, five, how to cool off electronics. Did you just say PMD like massive issues? I I think with just technology, automotive technology in general of figuring out, Hey, we have these awesome electronics, look at these awesome things that they're going to do for the cars. And then all of a sudden going, Oh shit, in the real world, this only kind of works.
0: So, and then they figured it out. And I think like, you know, again, it's, it's a, it's a segue into the, uh, technology advancements that we see today. Yeah. But I mean, a 24 valve is every bit mechanical. You still have a mechanical injection, injector itself that has a certain pop-off that it would open and close under due to the pressure that the injection pump offers. The injection pump doesn't, very, uh, doesn't more or less play very nicely with the ECM. So there would be codes that the injection pump would throw that the ECM wouldn't monitor, that if you put your scan tool up to it, Chrysler diagnostics will show, but Cummins diagnostics won't really show so you know the 98 and a half to 02 as much as they are simple to a novice guy you know as far as diagnostics are concerned they could be a little bit more on the you know headache side well let me ask this. just
1: just all personal nostalgia aside from from a completely logical standpoint yeah. if I'm looking at getting into diesel trucks for the performance aspect would I look at a late model 12 valve or an early common rail or a VP
0: uh, I mean, again, cutting, so, okay, price is out there, simplicity is out there, and the ability to, you're doing all the work yourself, okay? Coming from someone who's been fortunate enough to work on all three, Yeah. Um, the first question I would ask is, what kind of power are you after? If you're looking at making, you know, 500 wheel horsepower, we know that there's going to be a trans involved regardless on any platform. All of them. The common rail is going to be the one to beat. However, when you have to replace injectors, they're a little more expensive, okay? Sure. The VP stuff, that's kind of where I would go right off the bat because the pump to replace, very simple. My navigation skills around that motor is is, is very pure and, and crisp, right. okay? Um, but only only because of the cost factor of the replacement of the injectors and the pump.
1: See, I would if, think if you were just doing straight up just on the logic of, of a, a new person coming to it... I think I'd be hard pressed not to say look for a twelve valve if you're not going to get raped on it. Well, I mean that's the problem now, with the twelve valve. Now, that, now, now is, is the flip side that the the retail price on buying the truck has gone gone the, crazy.
0: The big problem that I don't like about the twelve valve truck is I hate working around the injection pump. I am not a fan because just getting into there in, into the where the bolts and crevices of getting the injection yeah, pump out. Okay. that's been something that I just didn't like. Otherwise, truck is very 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 simple. Very minimal components are needed to make the power. Okay, yeah. again that's just a preference, but We're talking about a truck that this day and age, right now, I could go buy a fucking Common Rail 0305 truck for the cost. One of the guys that work here just sent me a link. I'm in the process. I'm looking for a winter beater, okay? And he sends me this beautiful 12-elf. Beautiful, beautiful 12-elf. Gray, sport front bumper. It's been redone. You know, nice truck. 15 grand.
1: <laughs> I just got tagged in a post the other day
0: on an 03 Common Rail Crew Long manual for 4500 bucks.
1: Wasn't your boy Hager just looking at an LLY for for 10 grand yeah. that has like a, a good list of modifications? I mean, I'll
0: tell you what, I have been out of the game of buying and selling vehicles <laughs> for a little bit. It's been it's been about 2 years yeah. for me, and it's just the the one thing that still holds true is is the second gen Dodges hold their value, but we're seeing all this, all these uh, technology-friendly vehicles, right? The common rail injection, if you will. Yeah. Those those vehicles are starting to come down in price, even excuse me, even more so. But I think it's just because of the cost of repairs. You know, I think that that plays a big role.
1: Well, I think there's there's a certain amount of collector nostalgia around the twelve valve, as opposed to that the the people who will be able to afford nostalgia in, in a vehicle haven't hit that that market. Well, yeah, I think I think. <clears throat> 5 10 years from now guys will be going out buying up the early common rails cuz it, it will have been oh that was my first truck. No and I mean right? you know, very, like very very
0: much so. I mean I think you know again as we stress and talk about oh well you know the com- or the, uh, the the 12 valve is the entry level diesel. Yeah. Well to a lot of the listeners here I mean you and I sound dated now. <laughs> because the common rail is kind of that. So, you know, it, it's a preference thing. But I, I would say, you know, looking back at like my father, or you look back on your father, or, you know, we talked to like Nick and, you know, his dad, they're very big in like muscle cars and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. You know, the, that, that 12 valve or that 7.3, that I mean, that kind of holds in the diesel arena of respect. You see one of those trucks that are done up, or even a factory-style, you know, restoration. Sure, you respect that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, but it's also how old of a vehicle. That's what that that's what you grew up around. That kind of thing.
1: Right. Right.
0: But, yeah, no, I would say as far as the 98 to 2 trucks, um, towards the end of, on end of their rope, uh, 235 horsepower for the high outputs, 0102. Uh, they also went from an NV4500 off- offering to an NV5600 offering, so a six-speed manual. Um, that happened mid-2000, 2001.
1: Not, not very well received from my understanding on uh, that.
0: I mean, I think the big thing is, is you know, uh, to, a, to a, ha- a hardcore tower. Maybe they would respect it a little more, but a lot of the mixed perception there is people thought that they got a, a, a different final drive. No. Uh, one to five in an NV forty five and one to six and an NV fifty six are the same final drives. All right, they you got cut, a granny gear. They cut the fourth gear. Okay, no, they cut the fourth oh. gear and split it, so it's just more shifting going on. You still have the same granny gear one and one. So, right, um, you know you have that going on, but uh, I would say you know at the end of the 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 second gen VP forty four you know life. They were out horsepowered, okay. They were out torque yeah. compared to some of the competitors out in the space. They were dated as far as interior is concerned. Um, the transmissions, unfortunately, were subpar at absolute best. Right. Um, and that that brought us into the new arena of common rail injection.
1: That's it, man. I will give I will give Cummins this, and this is kind of I think the the takeaway I took of of looking at their the history of. The, these engines, um, they know when to adapt. Yeah. They, they know when they have to make a change. Well, Ford held on to, to terrible terrible ideas for for much too long far too long um and and duramax bad bad decisions
0: to keep up with the competition yeah
1: exactly And, and and duramax has put so much time into comfort that sometimes they miss the mark when it comes to performance
0: Yeah, i mean i would have to say that the duramax lineup were the staple in hot rod diesels in my opinion Um, you know, and for years, I mean, I remember years ago, my, my dad's buddy had a horse farm and every couple of years he would buy a new Duramax and he had an LOI that he just couldn't get rid of. And then an LBZ that was so much better than the LOI. And I remember I used to, they had a three acre parcel and I used to maintain their, their land Mm -hmm. and cut their grass once a week. And I remember talking to the guy, at gentleman's name was Frank, and you go, Hey Frank, you know how's the truck running? Oh man, you stand on that, oh spin the fucking tires, man, I'll tow my trailer, you know, that that's <laughs> that's what you thought about. And the same thing with like the six liters, like a six liter four, they were kind of like a hot rod. You yeah. You know, they 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 offered multi-purpose, you know, feeling as far as power torque output. Um, but O three comes around and, and you gotta think about this guys, in the Cummins lineup or in any of these RPOs this isn't a motor that they just in o2 were like hey we're going to come up with a common rail injection no this was something that was practiced for years prior they did all their research they were in development for a long time and they come out with a high injection pressure you know 23000 psi of injection pressure common rail electronic injector uh, cp3 pump you know all the badass technology that you know the duramax had already kind of brought into the mix so you get a bosch cp3 bosch yep. injectors common rail High pressure, the whole nine yards. Um, Turbocharger, you go to an uh, HE341, so very similar to an HX35, believe it or not. Um, The packaging's a little different, but the wheel sizing, you go to a 58 or a 59 millimeter, something along those lines. Yeah, Um, 58, 58, 9. 58, 58, 9. And, uh, you know, 9 for the 9 centimeter exhaust housing. A mechanical wastegate setup. You go to a bigger intercooler yet again. Yep. Okay, so the cooling is, is more in depth and more more improved. And it's
1: almost like every iteration Cummins has ever done, they've added air.
0: And add more air or the ability to flow air. Right. Um transmission wise, some of the trucks have a forty seven, some of them have a forty eight. A little bit more improved, but honestly, man, I mean that's just that that this is where Dodge I feel has always missed its mark is in the transmission arena.
1: Badass I, motor. I literally motorized. I literally read in one of the articles. Um God and I wish I could remember what it was. It was probably from Mike McLaughlin. Uh, said the 48 auto transmission, not as well liked as the 47 RE. And, and this is something I feel like every single year they've released a transmission, mm-hmm. people are like, "Man, I really like that old one better." Yeah. I thought everybody hated the old one. Like yeah. I just I noticed it all the way through. Every time I read an article about one of them, they were like, "Oh, but we hate this new trans." And you're like, "But I thought everybody hated the last trans."
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just crazy to see how. You know, as time progressed or, you know, I just I don't know what what Dodge at the time was thinking when you have you have GM with this badass Allison trans. And I mean,
1: totally, totally different technology in the trans yeah, too. it. Exactly. It's, it's the a way it, different ships, transmission. The way it operates.
0: And then you have Ford. I mean, to all the Ford owners out there. I mean, come on, man. You had a 4R100 or a 5R110, man. You never had really much to worry about on the trans. I mean, there was a select few that would have problems. Guys, don't give me flack for saying that. But Ford's always had a very dominant trans. GM's always had a dominant trans.
1: I can beat anything hard enough to break it, but that doesn't mean it's normal for it to break. Exactly. Um, A
0: 48 or a 47, you could legit drive the truck off the shortroom floor and it would shit the bed. Yeah. Yeah. They were soft.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay, now, now we broke up 03 and 05 from 06 and 07. After doing the research, Chris, I don't think we needed to. There was so few changes. Oh I mean, um, six, oh seven. We're still. I, I'm, and well, I didn't mean to jump you on, no, no, cut no, you let, out let's there, let's but cut back
0: though because it wasn't yeah. just oh six, oh seven. Oh three, oh four. It was three oh five horsepower output. Then they go to a high output, no four and a half through two thousand seven. Right, three hundred twenty five horsepower yeah. and six hundred and feet pound of torque.
1: They actually just dropped HO. From the from nomenclature, there's just nothing. Yep, it's, is, just, it's all it's all it the is same what output, correct?
0: Right. But there were some changes. ECM things like that. So yeah, right. what we got there? Right.
1: So okay. So so there's definitely an ECM change. It's all still common rail. 05, um, they updated the turbo to an HE three fifty one, which is the same size as a three forty one internally. Just, uh, it's just electronic wastegate instead of mechanical wastegate. Um, it's all electronic solenoid injectors. They did add a third. Uh, injection event to reduce emissions right right. Uh, 143 degree spray angle
0: what's also weird not to jump in please so when you look at the duramax oh four and a half is when the production year took place that every engine that rolled off the showroom floor had an exhaust gas recirculation system an egr right okay um ford 4 sig or oh three six liter came out oh three and a half egr was introduced right cummins we're talking oh six oh seven. They did not have an EGR on the motor.
1: They did not have an external EGR. Right, but um,
0: now that's again technology. What happened internally?
1: Right. So so internally, they found ways to to reuse the inert gas from the cam. Right. So so it, it's w- when we talk about deletes, when we talk about EGRs, we talk about oh this emission standard, that emission standard. There's been good. There's been bad. Um, but but we continuously see it driving the industry. Uh, Before this, production years would sit for for 10 years, eight years at a time with with literally no updates, no changes. There was no reason for them to do it. Uh, And now we're seeing that some of these standards do actually push improvements. We're getting... Turbos that spool up faster, make higher peak horsepower numbers. We're using the air that comes through the turbo more efficiently. We're adding intercooling. We're getting better pistons. We're getting better cams. We're getting better injectors. We're, we're, we're learning efficiency. We're getting better fuel mileage for more horsepower. Um, it, there's been a lot of things that have driven throughout the years, uh, even in the five point nine liter, that I think most people, if you were to ask, would say five nines don't have emissions equipment. Right.
0: Well, again, to certain, to certain degrees they're not wrong however technology and there were advancements of again the cam some of the 12 elves like we talked about earlier in this podcast had egrs right if it was california emission but let's talk about oh 1989 through 2007 essentially carrying the same displaced motor
1: yeah right yeah it's the longest run it's the longest run of any and anybody for for diesel um I think to say impressive probably takes away from it, right? Because, because it, it's it's something that they've they've done so well for so long, and, and with the new six sevens, which we'll be most likely doing next week, uh, you're going to see that they may have changed the displacement, but it's it's still a fucking Cummins, man. I, I, they if, kept so many things the same. Well, what's really
0: cool is, I mean, everything's interchangeable. Like you know, look at all the motors, guys, that are out there now: six two liter Cummins, six four liter Cummins, and you have the six seven, you have the five nine. These are all interchangeable parts that allow these quote-unquote displacements to take place yeah you know even though the displacement changed a lot of the components you know didn't yeah you know it's again simplistic the Cummins I feel is one of the more popular platforms because of the simplicity of the power plant itself and it holds true with you know this episode and in the future episode with the six seven I feel
1: Absolutely. Uh, Before we take off for today, I wanted to cite some of our sources, just give credit where credit was due. We found so many awesome resources to, to research this topic. Uh, so, I'll run through them here at Cummins.com. Uh, I just found Cummins Ram History. Uh, great little bio there. It's only a couple paragraphs. DYEAutos.com had a good article uh, on the Dodge Ram Cummins 5.9 liter, 6.7 liter diesel engine specs. That was from Scott back in uh, January of 2017. I picked up a driving line article called Cummins History. Uh, I read lessons. I, I read all of them. Uh, there, there was a bunch of Lesson 1, Lesson 2, Lesson 3. I, I read all of them. Uh, they are all by Mike McLaughlin. They were published January of 2019. That's a really recent yeah, one. Uh, I've used Mike in, as quite a few resources here, yeah. uh, so I, I very often read his articles. Uh, CumminsHub.com, one of my favorite places to go. Uh, I checked out 6BT, 6BT Cummins Turbo Diesel and uh, Diesel Dodge Diesel Guide. And then, of course, I I circle back to a Truck Trend article originally published, I believe, through Diesel Power magazine. Uh, That was Cummins Diesel Motor, a diesel tech uh, piece put together by Chris Wilkinson in February of 2007. So thanks for all the help, guys. Uh, We really appreciate uh, being able to find resources. We've gotten some pretty good feedback in these last couple histories. Uh, We are going to continue to push to do more and more informational podcasts. I like the idea of breaking down the P7100. I'd love to do just a, a, a hardcore piece on turbocharging.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the technology of the turbochargers and, you know, just talking about, you know, what we've talked about it before in prior podcasts, but... How a turbocharger comes into its spool, how the turbocharger comes into its full boost curve, drivability of that turbocharger is essentially where the spool comes from. Yeah, and how you know over the years, a lot of times guys say you know more is better, but no less is more sometimes. And I think you know a full podcast on that and talking about exhaust ba- uh, exhaust gas uh, exhaust housing aspect ratios turbine wheel profile compressor wheel profile and how they all come together would make a lot of sense
1: absolutely well i'm excited uh guys for this week we are getting ready for some local diesel drags coming up in the next week or so so if you are in the northern illinois southern wisconsin area you want to come out and see some of the company trucks running down the drag strip we'd be happy to see you out in byron at the dragway uh for today man this has been paul wilson and chris hemke thanks for listening
0: That Schaumburg slang, boy. <laughs> wow. I do not take credibility for him. <laughs>